Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we get caught up on the latest out of Edmonton. Jason Moss is fired. Could Paul Lab Police be taking over? Also, arm wrestling. It's growing in Manitoba. We get the scoop from two members of the Manitoba Arm Wrestling Association, and I take one of them on in arm wrestling, and it goes very, very poorly for me. And finally, the MJHL report. We talked to Kevin Surrett about the parody in the league in the upcoming World Junior A Challenge on the podcast. But we go to Edmonton now where they're making a coaching change. The Eskimos waiting till a couple days after the season to say goodbye to Jason Moss. And we say hello to Morley Scott, the voice of the Eskimos on our sister station, 630 Ched in Edmonton. Morley, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Christian. Thanks. I got to know though: Has Chris Strepler put a shirt on yet? Nope, still shirtless. He's been uh, he's, okay. he's been the party leader here in Winnipeg. Is that really a surprise, though? Uh, no, I think he's the new Gronk. Is he not? Well, I was comparing him to Alex Ovechkin of the 2018 Cap celebrations, but I mean, can you blame the guys? You know, he he toughed it out, and maybe the best way to hide the pain of his foot is to just be drunk for three days. Yeah, there you go. That might work. That might work. Uh, before we get to Edmonton, did you have fun at the Grey Cup? Uh, I, I'm not surprised Winnipeg won. I'm surprised the way they won and the way they dominated the game, especially early on with that uh, great defensive performance in the first quarter, especially. Uh, full credit to them, though, because they, they, they had a great game plan, especially defensively. So uh, I guess the parties are worth the wait, right? Absolutely. So Edmonton, uh, four years of Jason Moss, uh, six games above 500, three division finals appearances, but no great cup bursts. Was it uh, an expected dismissal today? My line going into it is, has been, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept them and I wouldn't be surprised if they fired them. And so I wasn't really that surprised today. You could see, you can see it was a real tough decision for Brock Sunderland to make because he, he really uh, he really agonized over before finally making the decision because you could have gone either way on it. I mean, you mentioned the three division finals in four years. That's a lot more than any other team not named Calgary has been to. Uh, Jason Moss had uh, a real good team for a couple of those years, especially uh, the first two years that he played in in 16 and 17. In 17, he was uh, tied with the Bombers for the second best record overall with the Eskimos and then beat the Bombers in Winnipeg in the the playoff game. So they had some good times, but they also had some bad times. Didn't get a playoff home game, which is something that I I think sits with everybody poorly. Uh, And I just think that Brock Sunderland... Uh, singled out the last two years saying we underachieved in his opinion the last two years and the fact that maybe they're looking for somebody who can not only get them through that uh, championship game division game but get them over the hump and into the great cup game I mean they definitely faded down the stretch last year and to some degree this year as well but when you're you know you lose your starting quarterback that doesn't help however sometimes just even decent teams need a change at the coaching position and that's kind of how I'm reading this yeah they've got potential there but maybe they feel like Moss is kind of capped at what he can do for this team. Yeah, that might be the case. I know the players aren't uh, exactly enthralled with the move, I don't think. I think some of them are a little surprised and a little upset. I know that they all, especially Trevor Harris, the quarterback, backed uh, Jason Moss to the hilt at the end of the season and talked about how important he was to their success. So uh, I don't know how happy the players are, but they know they'll have to move on with the new coach starting next year. Did Moss and Harris ever work together in Ottawa? 
No, they didn't. He okay. uh, they worked together in Toronto, I believe, actually the year before. Uh, he uh, Harris came to Ottawa the year after uh, when Moss left to come to Edmonton. Okay, okay, so it wouldn't have been an overlap. So, but because of that Ottawa connection. I imagine Rick Campbell's name is one of those bandied about as a possible replacement, or are we just going to pencil him into BC? It has to be uh, in the conversation, I think, for the Eskimos with the, all the connections. First off, his massive connection just to Edmonton and the Eskimos, right, with his, his father's ties to the team and the fact that he coached here before as an assistant coach a couple of times. Uh, Brock Sunderland knows him from Ottawa. Trevor Harris knows him from Ottawa. There's a lot of guys uh, who know him, and, and it's a good fit. But you're right, it sounds like BC's got the upper hand right now, but that has yet to play out. I know uh, Sunderland said today that he has reached out to a few teams already and asked permission to talk to some of uh, their assistant coaches. I believe one of them is Rick, is Rick Campbell in Ottawa. I believe the other one will be Paul Apolise with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I would imagine he'll get a lot of calls, especially after the playoff run that the Blue Bombers had offensively. I think Lap will be one of the highly sought-after assistants, don't you think? I, absolutely. I mean, he's he's got a great track record uh, as an offensive coordinator and as an assistant coach. Uh, he had a one stint as a head coach, so he knows what that's all about. I think uh, of the teams that are looking for coaches, I think yeah, every one of them will have him on their list. Now, we've seen a lot of hires from within over the years, too, across the league. Is that a possibility in Edmonton? Uh, well, I don't think so, unless it's Philip Lawley, because Brock Sunderland said today that all the coaches' contracts expired, and except for Philip Lawley, the defensive coordinator, who's got uh, another year on his deal through the end of 2020. So I think it'll be a clean slate in Edmonton, and they won't be looking uh, to promote from within. Okay, so um, in terms of Edmonton's personnel on the field i know there's a ton of free agents around the league this offseason what's edmonton's situation uh like everybody else i mean the the advent of the one-year contract i think has forced the cfl basically in into a into a free agent frenzy every year i mean what we saw last year was kind of cool and was kind of neat to see all those big name players move around i think unfortunately it's going to become a little bit more of the norm and i think it's going to take the shine off of it and people are 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 going to get uh, a little tired of seeing the big players sign one-year deals and move the next year so we'll see i know the eskimos a lot of the players they signed last year like larry dean don unamba a lot of them were on one-year contracts devars daniels as well i think the guys who uh, signed uh, more than one year were uh trevor harris greg ellingson sir vincent rogers and uh, Ricky Collins Jr. for the most part. So they'll have a ton of free agents just like every other team. So Brock Sunderland has to hire a new head coach, but what's the biggest need in terms of players that they need to get signed? He said that um, uh, that they were in a situation where they were probably going to look at improving their uh, offense and defensive line, two spots that were pretty good on the Eskimos uh, this past year, I think. And I think maybe he's looking ahead to free agency there as well. And in my opinion, they're going to have to make some changes in their defensive backfield, which kind of got beat up a little bit as the season wound down. A lot of that due to injuries, they could never get the guys they wanted to play to be playing in the right positions that they wanted them to play. Too many guys moving around all year because of the injury situation. To me, it's the it's the DBs that are going to be the most important uh, spot for the Eskimos to fill this year. Okay, because I'm just, I know this is just such a basic look but they had the second fewest points allowed in the west division this year they allowed exactly 400 bombers allowed 409 calgary 407 saskatchewan had 386 but edmonton edmonton scored a full 100 points fewer on offense than winnipeg so wouldn't you think that that's got to be an area of need or is it simply because trevor harris was injured and you kind of just throw that out the window 
that's what I would say. It's more because of Trevor Harris. When you go back to that game against the Bombers in Edmonton in August when Harris got hurt on a strip sack from from Willie Jefferson, up until that point, the Eskimos were, were first in yards. They were first in uh, second down conversion. They were first in uh, uh, the amount of first downs in the league. They were first in pretty much every offensive category and putting up a ton of points. The only category they had trouble with early in the year and throughout the year was in the red zone. But other than that, they put up great numbers, and those numbers dropped off dramatically when uh, Trevor Harris was injured. So I, I don't think offensively there's a problem that they're going to have to deal with at all. I think it's more on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, then I'll leave you with this then. What we saw with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and having a number of quarterbacks that could get the job done, Logan Kilgore really couldn't. So would you say that tr- they need to maybe look at a, a decent backup quarterback just in case Harris gets hurt again? Uh, they might. They might try to go that route, although Kilgore came in and got uh, two. Uh, he won two out of the four games he started, and he won enough to get them into the playoffs. He was the guy at the helm when they clinched the playoff spot. They were pretty happy with the job he did, especially considering he hadn't played for over a full calendar year in the Canadian Football League, and he had spent the entire 2018 season uh, as an assistant coach at his uh, at his alma mater. But uh, uh, they liked what he did. They liked his, uh, they liked his gutsiness and, and the way he performed, but I think they might want to go out and get somebody who they can you can play a little bit more of a physical game like like Strebler who can run the ball a little bit look after the short yardage situations because I, I think more teams are going to lean to that because of injury situation to those number one guys the Eskimos also really struggled on third and shorts this year they're the worst in the league in that department so they might want to approach uh, a solution for that at some point all right, Morley, appreciate your time as always and uh, enjoy, I guess, the brief off season. I mean, there's always going to be news coming out in the CFL. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's probably going to be hot and heavy in the coaches department over the next uh, couple of weeks, and then we'll get a break before the players start moving around. All right, thanks, Morley. You bet, Christian. I am joined in studio by Christy Finley, who's on the board of directors with the Manitoba Arm Wrestling Association, and Jim Finley, vice president of that association. Thank you both for coming in tonight. Thank Thanks you. for having us. All right. So let's, first of all, how did you get involved in arm wrestling? Uh, well, I got involved because of my husband, Jim. He saw um, an interview on breakfast television one morning about an arm wrestling competition, and he went into that competition and probably about a few practices after me uh, just sitting in the background watching him, he got me on the table to start pulling some of the females. So that's how I got into it. And how did you do with that competition, Jim? Uh, well, my first two competitions, I actually won both arms first place. And then I uh, proceeded to go to provincials where I got my butt kicked thoroughly. <laughs> I realized that there was a lot bigger fish out there than me. So I kind of got addicted quick to it. I wanted to be more involved and learn about this sport. So here I am about 14 years later, still trying. Now you said both arms. Explain why or how you decide which arm you're going to wrestle with. Well, most people are are naturally right-handed, but uh, when you arm wrestle, you're encouraged to use both arms because you really don't know exactly how strong you are on either arm. So we kind of like to get you involved with both arms, and then you you slowly find out. Like, I'm a right-handed person, but I'm a left-handed puller. My stronger arm is my left arm, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what we've learned with a lot of, about half of the people that pull are usually left-handed pullers. And now, how many people in Manitoba, I guess, are registered arm wrestlers? Um, I wouldn't really say registered, but... How many, um, well, how many people, are, I guess, arm wrestle then? Uh, well, f- right now for our youth, um, our provincials last year, we had 57 youth compete. So our youth team is growing. 
Um, for adults, I think for provincials last year, we had... I'd say, uh, yeah, about maybe maybe 150 people that are, are, are active in Manitoba. But then the numbers are growing just because the more aware they get of arm wrestling, right. the more people want to get involved. So it is growing then? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Awesome. So what would a typical practice look like? So, well, we hold our practices every Tuesday evening um, from 7 to 9 at Sinclair Community Centre. So there, this is the perfect time for any newcomers that want to come out, try to learn technique. Um, It's great for us pullers that have been doing it for quite some time, you know, learning new technique or just getting into maybe positions we're not used to to try to get out of. And it's good for the new people because then we're able to help them understand, you know, table awareness, how to be safe on the table, um, what is actually involved because most people have never even seen a real arm wrestling table. They don't even know what it looks like. People will just do it on a table with their pal. Yeah, and it's pretty hard on the elbows, whereas as on a professional table, it's a a certain height. It has uh, padded pads on it and has handles, and it's it's, uh, they're built to last, so you can really hammer on these tables. Okay, is there a prototypical body build for an arm wrestler in terms of like a height or how long an arm will be? Um, Well, normally... You'd want to have a larger hand. I'm not saying that that's mandatory, but it's adv- advantageous. Um, for me, uh, the the most impressive arm wrestler I've ever seen was a guy that's about six foot two, six foot three, 150 pounds. Uh, works in an office. Uh, he's just he looks like your everyday normal guy. Like you would not in- be intimidated by him at all. But then you get him on the table, and I've seen him beat 300 pound monster men, and just you're, you're like, how did that happen? This guy looks like he's just there's nothing to so him. So what's the secret then? Um, long, lean, and aggressive. Okay. Yeah, squirrel muscles, not big, heavy <laughs> bodybuilder muscles. Squirrel okay. muscles. Okay. Now, when you say aggression, mm-hmm. is there are there tactics to arm wrestling, or is it just brute strength? No, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, of tactics and and the way you approach it. Uh, me, my wife, and our son, we all arm wrestle. We're okay. all known for being very loud, aggressive, uh, very just intense people. Um, my coach is a very calm-mannered man. He walks up to the table, like, just calm, dead calm, whereas I'm loud, yelling, and ready to roar. You know what I mean? It's it's fun. So it all depends on what your personality is because a lot of your personality comes out in your arm wrestling. Christy, do you arm wrestle at home? Yes, I do. <laughs> We always have table time at home. We have our own table in the basement, so we're always pulling. Like me and my, me and Jim, we always pull. We always get our 11-year-old on the table, and we have a 3-year-old that already kind of knows okay. the technique and how yeah. it works. So. so will it be an enormous milestone, Jim, when the 11-year-old beats you for the first time? Um, I'd have to say, yeah, we're, we're a very competitive family. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to give You're it not to gonna you. Let it no, 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 no way. No, the old, the old man's got to hold on to it for as long as he can. Cause I'm pretty sure eventually, uh, the young lion's going to come around and want to put a hurting <laughs> on his dad. So 2020 Christie's a big year for arm wrestling in this province. Yes, we have our provincials that are coming up. Um, our youth provincials will be held on Sunday, April 5th. Um, we're expecting a huge turnout for youth. Like I said, last year we had 57 youth come out, so we're hoping for more than that. And then the adults tournament, which that will be held on Saturday, May 2nd at Canadians Pull Park. Um, so that's our provincials. Yeah, and nationals uh, will be hosting the national championships here in Winnipeg. And uh, pullers from all over Canada will be coming here to compete. Uh, in order to compete at the national level, you have to compete at provincials. Okay. Um, it will be The nationals will be held on July 4th and 5th at the Canadians Destination Centre Polo Park. 
Uh, between the two days of those competitions, we will have youth, disabled, masters, and the open tournament for men and women, boys and girls. Okay. So people can come out if they want to check out some high-quality uh, arm wrestling action. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very exciting stuff. It's a very fast sport, but... Uh, I've had a few people come and watch and see how fun it is, how engaged it is. And then, then they'll say, you know, I want to try. And then we bring them into practice and we just kind of wean them in like that. So what does a typical match look like? How long does it take? Um, some matches can take 10 seconds. Some matches can take a couple minutes, just depending. So like you're like a giant struggle and. Yeah, we also have sometimes where you slip out in a match. So then you have to be put in strap matches. So sometimes those take a little mean? bit longer. Uh, basically, a strap match is uh, when they, they, they bind the hands together. They'll have a, a quarter-inch strap, and uh, it's wrapped around the wrist and then through the hands and then cinched together. And essentially, you cannot uh, mm. get your hands apart. Because when you're, when you're arm wrestling, uh, you're pulling so hard that sometimes you slip and let go, and then you have to have, have a way to bind those hands together. You don't want to have a sweaty hand? No, we use a lot of chalk. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So in terms of, I guess, building up your ability, do you are there specific workouts to do? Yeah, there is. Uh, you, you normally want to go with, uh, I'd say, static holds, a lot of back workouts. Chin-ups are one of the most mm. uh, essential tools to arm wrestling because it puts you in that arm wrestling position. Uh, just working, staying conditioned because arm wrestling doesn't really have an off-season you can arm wrestle anytime. There's there's tournaments held multiple times throughout throughout the year. Um, we we try to hold at least I'd say six to eight here in Manitoba so that we can keep our our pullers active. Nice. And so there there I guess one of the nice things about arm wrestling is that in, in a place like Winnipeg where it's cold a lot, there's really no off season. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So we're always we're always kind of uh, training and arm wrestling, and like we said, we have our practices at 490 Sinclair at the community center there, and uh, we usually have anywhere from 15 to 25 people come out, and we have women, children, men, everybody. It's a it's a it's a family sport. Do you mind beating me right now? Oh no problem. All right, come on over here. <laughs> All right, let me just adjust the microphone here. All right, let's do this. Right, so, or, right or left? Uh, well, you're. No, let's go right. Okay. okay. Well, All right, you got a big hand. Well, I'm 6'5". Yeah, you're okay. a big man. Yeah. All right, so okay. do you just, like, start? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, I am trying to pull, and I'm not moving it at all. Oh, my God, he just crushed me. <laughs> <laughs> Held it in place for four seconds and then demolished me. Wow, okay, so maybe I should come out to a practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> We'd love to have you. Awesome. That's Christy Finley, Jim Finley on the Manitoba Arm Wrestling Association Board. I appreciate you both coming in tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wednesday nights means a weekly look-in on the MJHL tonight. We chat with Director of League Operations, Kevin Surrett, a Manitoban. So, Kevin, I have to start by asking you if you're a Bomber fan. I am. I wouldn't say I'm a, a diehard Bomber fan, but obviously growing up in Manitoba and living in Winnipeg now, uh, you're always following, you know, that organization. And, and it was pretty neat to see, you know, the ride they went on through the playoffs and just the adversity they dealt with and, and to bring the championship back to this city and this province after all those years. Um, yeah, it's just, it just amazing to see a, a great sporting moment for for everyone involved. Have you ever been part of a championship locker room? I have, yeah. I've been fortunate enough to, to win three championships over my, my playing career, and there's nothing really that, that compares to that feeling you know when you when you go through the long season in a playoff run with 
with your teammates and which are essentially your family and it's uh and then you get to celebrate obviously with them after all the the hard work you've put in and sacrifice and and I was lucky enough to be able to celebrate with with my family and then my daughter as well on the ice so just a, a special moment that you know doesn't come along too often for for athletes I think in my career I have uh, I think an Adam it was I think or maybe it was novice a novice hockey title in Terra Ontario we beat Desboro in the final no one listening to this will know where those places are and uh, <laughs> a Winnipeg Rec League uh, soft or slow pitch championship I got a t-shirt out of that so I, I don't think that quite compares to uh, what the bombers are, are doing right now but it's it's always cool to win yeah well you obviously remember those moments still so it, it's oh, yeah. always special whatever level you're at. Yeah, I remember dogpiling at, I think we were about eight or nine years old. It was it was pretty good. But let's uh, turn our attention <laughs> to the uh, MJHL. Steinbeck Pistons heading into tonight's action are in first place, but they're only a point up on Portage and the Winkler Flyers. Uh, so the parity continues as you only have eight points separating one through six. That's got to be great from the league standpoint. Yeah, it's been, it's been right from day one, and it's continuing on now. We're 25, 26, 27 games into the season, and and the parody hasn't let up at all, and everyone's beating everyone on any given night, and it's really creating some, some, um, you know, intense hockey games. And and the nice thing too is it's you know when you get to that when you get, have that parody and it's the games are that tight every night, you know, you expect tensions to boil over, but for the most part, it's been very clean, very fast, very talented hockey. And the teams and the players are, are keeping it between the lines, uh, as they say. And so it's, from a league level, it's it's really neat to, to sit back and, and watch what's going on every game night. Yeah, I said the points, it was eight separating one through six. I might as well just say it's it's nine separating one through eight right now. 38 points, Steinbach in first, and Verdon in eighth has 29 points. So pretty great diversity across uh, the board there. Uh, now, the CJHL and uh, NHL Central Scouting, they've picked 44 players to join the Team Canada West Selection Camp ahead of the 2019 World Junior A Challenge in Dawson Creek. Uh, not a lot of NJHL players picked, a few. Is that normal that uh, Alberta, BC kind of get the bulk of the, the players that get invited? Well, they definitely usually have the higher numbers of, of invites, and, and a lot of that as well is that uh, those two those two leagues have, you know, 17 teams each respectively. So they have a bigger body of players to choose from and, and they're two very good leagues as well. So generally they're year in, year out, their, their invite numbers are higher than say the MJHL and, and SJHL. And, and really every year it fluctuates. I think last year we had six or seven kids invited. Um, this year we have three, which, you know, you'd always like to see more, but, but the three that are going, I think have, a very realistic shot at, at making that team. There are three um, very talented, very, you know, fast, skilled, high IQ players that, that we're excited for. And I know they're going to, they're going to give it their best and, and represent the MJHL very well. Who are the three? Uh, it's Owen Murray. So he's a 17 year old defenseman. He plays with Portage Carriers. He was actually the MJHL rookie of the year last year, the 16 year old. And he was invited to this camp last year as well. Um, Carter Loney from Steinbach Pistons, another very, very good 
uh, 17-year-old forward that has a D1 committed scholarship to Western Michigan. And then Kyle Bettens, a Steinbeck Pistons, 18-year-old forward who who's on the NHL watch list last year, and he attended this camp as well. So I know, you know, especially for Owen and, and Kyle, they're, they've been to that environment. They've seen what it takes and, and the talent level that's, that's there. So I know they're really itching to, to get back and, and really push for a spot this year. And the, the competition level at this event, uh, how good is that for the players? How much of an experience is that for the players that do make the team? It's an amazing experience. I was lucky enough to be named general manager for the past two seasons of this team. So I have a pretty in-depth knowledge of, of the event and it's, you know, at the actual event, they're playing against team Canada East, um, the USA, which is made up of USHL all-star team, um, Russia, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, and all those players are all, um, you know, a lot of the Russians and the Czechs have played in the Ivan Holink under 18 tournament. So they're, they're the best 17, 18 year olds, you know, in the world that, that are on the world junior team. Um, you know, you have players like Kale McCarr, Tyson Jost, you know, um, new hook last year. So very, very high end players playing, play in this event. And, it's just a whole another level that these kids get to experience that, that make the team. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you taking time to talk as always, and we'll catch up later in the season. No problem. Thanks, Christian. I think we found Sky Neller's sport. Arm wrestling. Squirrel muscles. Give it a chance. I was actually trying my hardest, and he just ended me. It was great. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?